Okay, July uh, on the 19th, excuse me, on the 18th, 19th and 20th of June, I'll be in Hogan'sville, Georgia, preaching at Brother Robert's camp meeting. That's the week before the retreat. And uh, we'll probably be returning uh, so far Lord willing, we'll, we will be returning probably Saturday. That's in case he hasn't said anything to me yet, but usually he always asks me to stay back and preach a day or two. I haven't heard anything yet, so tentatively I'm I'm thinking about coming back that Saturday. We'll be back Sunday, so that weekend. Those two weekends close to one another, uh, I probably won't be won't be here. So of course, Brother Dan and Brother Aaron will be taking care of. Okay, that'll be, that's happening this, this month. And like I said, in July 17th, 18th, and 19th is the peak, uh, the peak uh, youth conference in Tucson. Oh, no, no, no. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Man, I tell you what. Unless I have it written on a piece of paper. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We do plan on attending that. And then uh, on the 20th, through the 23rd, Luke Wethy is having their annual Rush uh, uh, Arbor meeting in Chicopa, Kansas. And I'm preaching for the 21st, which is a Sunday evening, so we will be leaving from Tucson and going over to Chicopa and Guadalajara. But we get to Wagner. Three, three 
four wheelers going this time? Any of you want to ride the four wheelers? We might have some uh, Bronco busty, we don't know. There's a possibility that might be there. We don't know yet, but any of you that want to ride a Bronco, you're sure welcome to. Of course, they're not that big either. They're probably about like that. <laughs> 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 Praise God. So, just a little fun. And the reason why we're looking, well, and of course, that's the weekend. I know everybody's heading back to school. I think they start school that week before here in Maine. I'm not sure, but it's just kind of like a little relaxation time just to break away from the big city. Go out there. And so the. Are we doing the powwow this year? No, we're not doing the powwow. Okay. We are doing, uh, the, we're talking about the Greenwood powwow. And that's later than, matter of fact, I think there was an announcement that they are not having the Fort Randall powwow. Uh, I've that, seen it. They're having it. They're, oh, they have it? It's the Fort Randall okay. traditional, the, that one. Oh, the traditional powwow. Okay. Because of the flooding in Lake County. Yeah. Okay. So I guess they are having the powwow because we thought they weren't having the powwow, so that's why. That's just too quick, and then you'll be gone too. Yeah, be gone that weekend. As far as coming to stand. So those are the announcements, and <clears throat> coming this month and next month in August. Man, watch the summer go by fast. Of course, we have things to get done here, but uh, something's been on my mind. And I just want to share it with you. Um, when we were out here getting ready and prepping this, the front to paint, the owner next door stopped in and chatted with us a little bit, chatted with me, and he just, he basically said he's getting ready for retirement, he's going to be selling his business, or selling everything in there, and, and shutting down his business, and he's going to retire, so he said that side of the building is going to be for sale. So he made it a point to tell us that. So I told him, I said, okay, thank you. I said, in the event, I said, let us know. Let us be the first ones to know. He said, that's the reason why I'm telling you. So, uh, praise God. I just want to say praise God. A lot of people I've talked to, my brethren, Javier, several of them that we know, Brother Wetty, several of them, of course some of you don't know, have been sharing with me that they feel like the Lord's going to bless this work and this work is going to grow. And if that's the will of God, which I believe it is. I've petitioned him for a thousand souls. When I came down here, I said, Lord, you could give me the tithe off of the population. Yes. That's a thousand one hundred. Why is that right? Is it one thousand? Is it is it one thousand and ten? I think it is. Or is it one thousand and one one hundred? I can't remember. Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Ten thousand five something. Okay, so well. Anyway, I said the the tide of the population, so a thousand little over. But who knows? Could be even more. We want to doubt God. But it's kind of something how if I if I would use a time like this, which I'm not going to, <clears throat> to testify about sharing with you all the prayers that have been you know uttered since we've come here, beginning with our our move down here, everything that we've gone down the line, all the prayers, if I could just Use that as a testimony and one by one mark it off each one that the Lord has answered. And it's going, and, and let me tell you something, it's, head, it's heading in that direction. It's going in that direction. Of course, um, I'm reminded of the scripture where Paul uh, reminded Timothy to war a good warfare on the prophecies that have gone on before you. In other words, obviously. Uh, Timothy was prophecy or the prophetical word was spoken about him and his ministry. Paul said to war a good warfare 
on those prophecies going on. So I know if that's the case, this has been this was prophesied way back in 1997. I'm going to say 98, somewhere around that neighborhood, that far back. What God was going to do, and here's the thing: start with the southeastern part of South Dakota. Guess where we are? Amen. Now is that a coincidence? And he said it was going to head west. It was going to head west. He said in the in South Dakota, go up into North Dakota and go north into Canada. Wow. Wow. I told the Lord, I said, I'm going to be turning 62 pretty soon. Hope I have enough strength to do that. In my younger days, it was nothing for me to, you know, take that burden and run with it. But I'm, I'm a young man. Thank God we got some young men. Take the torch and go on with it. Praise God. So, yeah, if I, maybe one of these, maybe one of these, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Jim Sleva. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, from the UBC. Uh, I'm going to say Sleva. He came and he, he did an a interview with me, but that was a couple years ago. And uh, I looked for the story and the IBC magazine wasn't there, so they must not have helped and he could publish it. But him and I spent four hours together at the library talking. And uh, he asked me to go way back how, how, to, how I ended up coming here to Vermillion. I shared everything with him. So he was, of course, he was putting it all down. <coughs> and he said, Brother Marshall, he said, man. He said, it's good that God doesn't, you know, when it comes to the Lord uh, speaking to us about his will, he said, the one thing about the Lord, the Lord never fails. We fail. When we get sidetracked or something happens, we fail. But he said, obviously the Lord has something in store. He said, I, I really believe he does. I said, I, I just, he does have a lot in store. So I'm just, that's my hope. That's what I'm holding on to. And the thing about it is, here's the thing, it's it's the spoken word of God when we can when we can hold on to what God speaks and that is our uh, how can I say? Yeah, that is our hope. And and even our justification. Why are we up here? Why we're doing this? But anyway. So forth and so on and all that good stuff. God. I want to resume. Can anybody let me know where I let off last week? Has anybody? I think I got as far as uh, the ministry of praise, or did I get as far as song and singing? <coughs> Remember, we were talking about the order of worship? Praise. First Chronicles 16. Okay. Okay. And Hebrews 13, 15, yep. okay. So we were we were in the comparison of Moses' tabernacle, David's tabernacle. Okay. Alright. In the in the tabernacle, in the tabernacle of Moses, there was no singing of songs. There was no psalm singing. Can anybody remember? One moment where somebody did sing a song after the Lord created a miracle for them. Can anybody remember asking? Miriam, there you go. When they crossed the Red Sea, she picked up a timbrel and she sang a song. So that was probably one instant. Maybe there's a few more uh, instances where, where somebody actually put some words to a song and gave the Lord some praise and glory. But in the tabernacle of David, if you go to 1 Chronicles uh, 16, uh, you're going to find out that there was there was song seen. They sang song. This is going to be interesting, and I don't I don't want to you know necessarily drag it on. But that, this, like I said, there's so much to this studying the tabernacle of David. We can't do it in. We we would never be able to do it in four or five Bible studies. We could probably just maybe even touch just on a few things, but 
to be able to understand the whole, what, what it all meant, what it symbolized, we, we, we have to be, we have to be engaged a, a good time in it. And, and I'm just trying to do my best to kind of give you the highlights of it so you can, so hopefully that will kind of inspire you to dig more into it. And obviously, you know, once you do, you'll, you'll find out. But here's the thing, uh, we will get to that portion, hopefully, uh, maybe if not next week, maybe the following week, we're gonna try to get through this as, as quick as we can. But we will get to that portion when we address the Psalms, when we address everything about the Psalms. How many of you have ever really studied the Psalms? Anybody really get into the, because if you notice in the Hebrew Bible, in the Hebrew Bible, of course, we don't, we don't see it that way. It's, it's not ever, uh, how can I say, uh, titled that way. But in the Hebrew Bible, did you realize they divide the Psalms into five books? Yes. Who said yes? I did. All right, that's good. Somebody knows. Uh, they divide it into five books. If you study the division of those books and you study the songwriters, the Psalms, that were used in the sanctuary, uh, the, the temple. Here's the thing, all those songs, you, you'll notice certain songs are labeled. They have certain labels on top of them. Those labels mean something. Those labels, and we're gonna find it out, they mean, you know, they could mean a, a, a certain person singing them. It could be a male voice. It could be a male tenor, a male baritone, or here's the thing, it could be a female tenor, or uh, a female, you know, uh, what's the other, uh, alto, or here's the thing, it could be just one song, uh, not one song, but several songs were just written so that just virgins would sing that song. Woo! And, and here's the thing, we, when we get up here and play music, all the music is pretty, I like to say simple, but a lot of those keys we use, our, our main key is C. Sometimes we go into D, sometimes we go into G, but mainly most of the, our music, our songs are the key of C, G, and D. Sometimes we'll break into the key of uh, E, sometimes A, sometimes F, very rarely sometimes A flat and B flat. Sometimes we do, all depends on the song, all depends on the range. But our songs are just written in those keys. Now here's the thing. Israel even appointed certain, certain octaves or keys that those songs were to be sung in and played in. I never realized that before, but I, I began to understand why. Not just the range of the vocal, of, of, of the voice, not just the range of the voice, but can anybody guess why? Did anybody guess? What was employed besides singing? Instruments. Instrumentation. So, would string instruments have a certain range? You can only tune them to a certain range. So thus, they were, you know, you notice that they always went with the type of instrument that they, they was commanded. The harp, David played a harp, didn't he? Mm -hmm. There was a psaltery, there was a dulcimer. And they were they were played. There was trumpets. Of course, then they didn't have violins, but you know they, they played. So basically, they were kind of in a place where the, the tuning of the instrument they could not deviate from the range of that instrument. So that's why they had to be played in a certain key. And you know what? Uh, of course, as I was sharing with you uh, last week that. Uh, or was it last week? I think it was. When you study music, when you go into music theory, they'll tell you, when they go back into ancient music writing, when they talk about sight reading and notes and pitches and, and stuff like this, scales, you know, what, you know what they'll tell you how it started out? You know what they refer them to? They refer them to church scales. And, of course, it was music that was obviously uh, composed in the religious or church setting. So that was the only knowledge they had. 
But now as music began to grow and as people began to compose more and more instruments were being uh, uh, created, made, they, they, all this changed and now we have written music and we, we can you know, take a look at everything that has to be written in a certain key and played in a certain tempo and all that. All that, you know, all because of the church scales. That's interesting, isn't it? Praise God. So, I didn't mean to bore you, but... First Chronicles 16, 7. Then on that day, David delivered first this song to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. So here, here we see a, a song, a song delivered to Asaph and his brethren. Of course, these are the musicians. These were the heads of the musicians and singers there in the temple. They delivered this song. Of course, it's really interesting. I won't, I won't go into that part of it yet. I, I will, I will jump the gun. Uh, but. When we, when we take a look at that word, that word we'll, we'll get into it maybe next week about the meaning of the song and how that breaks down, how you can use that. What, what makes a song? What is a song? We're going to find it out next week. I just want to, you know, show you that part of it. So you see that uh, song singing was incorporated in the tabernacle of David. In other words, David was one of the first ones to to write lyrics to song, you know, songs. And, and and use them in the, the, the tabernacle worship and then in the tent worship. So we see that. So obviously, there's there's people that have... Uh, how many of you are good writers? How many of you can write? Like good handwriting or writing? Good writers. Something comes to you, you can write something down. You're good writers. You ever notice that if God can inspire you to write something on his behalf. That's what those recorders did. If some inspiration came to them, and of course there's a lot of songs, uh, if I want to say it this way, spiritual songs uh, that are sung. Of course we have a whole book of them, don't we? Our song book, people were inspired. They wrote the lyrics, they wrote the melody, they wrote the rhythm of the song. All that, all that they were inspired. So there's people that because of the experience they went through they felt it on their heart to do that and they, they composed it and of course maybe they had somebody help them with the melody and all this but that that is something that there, there's a possibility there could be a songwriter or a songwriter that God may use you can write a song that gives him glory and so we see that uh, in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 5 uh, going back into the Old Testament, New Testament, excuse me, Ephesians 5. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Ephesians 5, and this is what it says in verse number uh, 18. We have a we, get a, we get a picture of that, and it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, even in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that's an instruction given in the church, in the New Testament church. Or to incorporate, or, or to speak. Remember, we're even we could even prophesy through songs. We can prophesy through our lyrics. We can prophesy in our instruments. We can prophesy. Praise God. I think that's pretty interesting. Don't you? I think there's, there's a reason why certain, certain things. First uh, Corinthians uh, fourteen twenty six. First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty six. <clears throat> You'll see there. Uh, where it says uh, how is it then brethren when you come together every one of you hath a song hath a doctrine hath a tongue 
hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. So we, we see that how that's, that's important for us. There, it's there in the New Testament. Uh, James chapter, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, James chapter 5, and verse number 13, look what it says. If any, is any of, uh, among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing songs. Hallelujah. So we see how that was incorporated into the tabernacle of David to worship. And worship and praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. There was also there was also rejoicing and joy. Rejoicing and joy. Of course, in, in Moses' tabernacle, they were commanded to rejoice in the Lord. But rejoicing and joy, if you go back to 1 Chronicles uh, 16 again, go back to 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16, you can find out a lot of the there in this book. <clears throat>
trying to follow along. It was, it was kind of difficult. It was kind of difficult. And uh, but guess what? When, he, when the anointing came upon him, guess what? It was like he was an educated man, and he was just like, woo! You can tell. You can tell when the anointing came upon him. He could read like it was, you know, no problem. And even his speech changes. He was. He became even more eloquent as far as his words. And, and the anointing came upon him. But he was one that really loved to worship God. He was a worshiper of God. And you remember him, Sister Mona? Mm -hmm. Brother Singleton? And man, the Holy Ghost would get a hold of him and he would take off. He would be dancing and he would go all over. He would go all over the place. And, and, and you know what? It, it seems like, like times that he kind of reminded me of that, that game you play when you go underneath that bar. I can't remember what you call that now. Limbo. Limbo? Yeah. But he would get down like that way back and he would bend over and, and you think he's gonna fall, but he'd be back there and people would be running like this and all of a sudden he'll come out of it like that. He'll just be and, and, and let me tell you something. One thing about Brother Singleton, that big old smile on his face. That's what always reminds me of this is when I seen that big old smile on his face. He had the joy of the Lord. Here's the thing, you got people to move the Because he was just all over the place. The people would be running over there, running over there. And, and I always remember Brother brother uh, Longshore's old sanctuary in front. They had, you know, bases with flowers in the front. And boy, one time he was heading for those bases and it was like he was knocking over the place, running, running. And all of a sudden he stopped just in time and goes back up. But you like, it was amazing to see that. Amazing to see him. Worshiping the Lord like that. So we see that. Uh, clapping. There was no clapping in the tabernacle of Moses. There was no clapping in the tabernacle of Moses. But in the tabernacle of David, there was. You go to Psalms 47. Psalms 47. <clears throat> And you read, of course, all of you probably are aware of this already. In Psalms 47, you read what it says. In verse number one, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Of course, shout unto the Lord with the voice of defeat. Oh, with the voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. We were told the story of an elderly, elderly, elderly gentleman. Uh, he was, I believe he was either Rappahoe or he was Crow, one of the one of the one of the two uh, tribes up there in Montana. I can't remember if it was Crow. His name was George, get a hold of his name, George First Rider. George First Rider. Anyway, God got a hold of him and began to move in his life, filled him with the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in Jesus' name. Of course, he was an elderly gentleman. And they were having camp meeting there. I think it was in Hardin, Montana, and he wanted to go to the camp meeting. He got all ready, got all dressed, and he was gonna go to the camp meeting. And uh, lo and behold, he came outside, and was gonna get in his vehicle, and guess what happened? He had two flat tires. And so obviously he was kind of uh, a little bit on the downside. And then all of a sudden he said, I just felt like rejoicing. I felt like rejoicing. Just worshiping God, and there he was. And I don't know if he was dancing, but he was outside by his truck, and he was just giving God the glory. He said, I went up to one of the flat tires on my vehicle. He said, just to kick it. He said, I kicked it. He said, in Jesus' name. 
He kicked it, and guess what happened? The tire inflated. <laughs> Blew him away, he looked at it. And so he went around the other side of the vehicle, and he did the same thing. In Jesus' name, he kicked that tire, and that tire inflated. Guess what? He made it to the camp meeting. George first rider. But he said he rejoiced. He worshiped God. He was giving God glory. I thought about that when I read that. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Sometimes that might take us to do that. Praise God. Shouting. Shouting was not really used except, can anybody tell me before, uh, in, in the tabernacle of Moses, when there was shout, well, it wasn't really in the tabernacle of Moses, but can anybody tell me when they, the people of Israel shouted? Jericho. They shouted when they came upon Jericho. Mm -hmm. That was one of the instances where shouting was it was commanded. Praise God. So, but in, in the tabernacle of David, uh, you go to First Chronicles 15. You go to First Chronicles 15. Right on verse number 28 there. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting. and with sound of the cornet, and with trumpets, and with cymbals, making a noise with psalteries and harp. So we see where that was part of the worship. First Thessalonians chapter four, excuse me. First Thessalonians chapter four, in the New Testament. And verse number 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, that kind of, how could I say, negates, can I use that word, negates, yeah. him coming all of a sudden, mm -hmm. and we don't even know he's coming? Yeah. He will come with a shout. Yeah. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So we see that shouting is something that obviously is employed. Dancing was used in the in the tabernacle of David, but wasn't used in the tabernacle of Moses. Okay, you go to First Chronicles 15 again, and verse number. 29, came to pass as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, that Michal, the daughter of Saul, looking out of a window, saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. So we've seen David dancing before the Lord with, with all his might. You go to Psalms 149, Psalms 149, and verse number, let's see, I can find the right book here. Verse number three, Psalms 149, and it says, let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel 
and heart. Let them praise his name in the dance. I never realized that, of course, this, this is just something I'm just sharing with you. But I never realized it. Of course, we, we went to the, we call it Wachiki. And that means place of dance. Of course, along with that, is, it's, it kind of means like dance, but also means celebration. It's kind of incorporate Wachiki, a place of dance. Dance and celebration. And, but Hollywood stands the words power. So ever since then, they would use power. Or here's another word, wampum. Those aren't even native words. <laughs> Some writer in Hollywood just thought, oh, that, sounds, that sounds native, let's, let's, let's use that. Or wigwam. Uh, so so we, the word, the phrase, the word is wachipi. Uh, in other words, wa. Chiki is, is like you, you dance. Wall refers to the person, so you dance. Chiki, or we all dance. We all dance. To dance for, for what? To celebrate life. To celebrate what the Creator gave us. So that was the whole reason for the Wachipis. They would get together and, of course, boom, 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 boom. And as my grandma used to say, everybody out there would be all getting coochie In other words, they're really getting into it. They're getting into it. Now, and they're just mesmerized. They're worshiping. They're dancing. So that's something. A lot of natives, not just Native Americans, but all other tribes of natives all over the world. You ever notice that? Yeah. Their their incorporation of dance has to do with their religion. <coughs> so it's nothing new to a lot of different people like that. So here, but we hear here we see in the, in the book of Psalms one one uh, forty nine in verse number three, let them praise His name in the dance, in the dance. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. So we can see we can do that. Okay, lifting up hands. Of course, in the tabernacle of Moses, there was no commandment or instruction regarding the lifting of hands, but in the tabernacle of David, there is. You see in the book of Psalms, <clears throat> excuse me, 134, in the book of Psalms 134, and verse number, uh, 134, the whole, actually the whole chapter there. <laughs> Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. So lift up thy hands. I like what Brother Javier said. We were talking about lifting up hands. And he said, a lot of people you notice they always have them at half mass. That means you're still holding on to something. You're not quite there yet. Amen. He said, what we need to do is surrender that's right. and lift him up completely. That's right. He said, that's a sign of surrender. Amen. And we see this is what we do when we worship God with lift up holy hands. Of course, we do it to worship him. And of course, we're surrendering our, our will to him. We're, we're giving him glory and honor. You see in First uh, uh, Timothy chapter 2, it talks about this also. It talks about this in First Timothy chapter two, verse number eight. It says, "It says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting, lifting up holy hands." That's something, isn't it? Lifting up holy hands. Even our hands have to be holy. <clears throat> Whatever we can try to get from that, what it means being lifting up our hands. In other words, our hands have to be clean. Clean from what? 
You might say, well, before service starts, I go into the bathroom and I wash my hands. That's not what that means. It means you come in here, you take care of a lot of the, you know, things that try to defile you and, and, and keep you down. And once you do that, you can come in here with just holy hands. And you can give God glory. Okay? Here's, here's another interesting thing. Worship. Through the posture, or worship and access through the posture of bowing. Worship and access. So you go over to... Uh, uh, David's tabernacle did have that. But Moses' tabernacle did not. So we see in 1 Chronicles 16, going back into the Old Testament, <clears throat> 1 Chronicles 16, you see in verse number uh, 29, it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name, bring an offering and come before him, come before him, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So, so we come, we, we come, we access, we worship in the beauty of holiness. You go over to, uh, you go over to John chapter 4, the Gospel of John chapter 4. the Gospel of John chapter 4. Hallelujah. And of course verse 20. This should be a very familiar passage of scripture. Verse number 20 it says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain <clears throat> and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, Believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Quit. Hallelujah. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Wow. So people had obviously different different uh, locations <clears throat> geographically where they felt they needed to go to worship. Of course, always to the highest piece of of land, mountains, hills, they would worship. Any of you ever been on top of Bear Butte? Any of you ever been to Bear Butte or even to Harney Peak? Harney Peak. And, and that's where, as far as uh, Lakota history is concerned, that's where a lot of the Lakotas used to go to worship. And Harney Peak was one, one place. Bear Butte was the other we're not just a Lakota, but different tribes, the Crows, the Arapaho, the Cheyenne, and, and some of the northern tribes coming down and go to Bear Butte. If anybody's been up there, when you get to Bear Butte, man, I tell you what, you look and you can see, I think you can see, uh, you're supposed to be able to see Montana and Wyoming and North Dakota. But when you get up there, it's very high in elevation. So whatever, for whatever reason, people think they had to go to the top of the mountain to worship God, to pray. Obviously, they must have felt that, to get to that level spiritually. To maybe even to touch him, I don't know. But 11, it says, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of them that rejoice, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Okay? And here's, here's kind of where we started in the book of Acts, chapter 15. In the book of Acts, chapter 15, look what the Apostle James said here uh, in, in verse number 17, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord 
and all the Gentiles upon whom <clears throat> my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Wow. So that was that was something. Can I go? I have two more points. Can I continue with those two points? Okay. The next one is sacrifices. Of course, we know the tabernacle of Moses incorporated animal sacrifices. Everybody knows that, don't you? Also, in the tabernacle of David and in the temple of Solomon, animal sacrifices. But yet, in the tabernacle of David, we had other types of sacrifices that were incorporated. They were spiritual sacrifices. Okay? Psalms 27. If you want to go there, Psalms 27. <clears throat> Excuse me. Psalms 27. Verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above all mine enemies round about me, therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yes, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Wow. Okay. Uh, Psalms 116. Psalms 116. Hallelujah. Psalms 116. And verse uh, 17 says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving <coughs> will call upon the name of the Lord. So you go over into the New Testament, you go over to 1 Peter <coughs> excuse me, chapter 2 in 1 Peter chapter 2 and you'll see there in 1 Peter chapter 2 it says in verse number uh, three, it says, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and <clears throat> holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Verses number 15 and 16. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget, for, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Hallelujah. One more point. We're done for tonight. Here comes the other part of it. What we do when we get behind the word of God. What do we do when we get behind the word of God? Stand on, stand on it. Shout amen. Amen. There you go. What do we say? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Does anybody know what amen is, means? I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Amen. When something comes out to you, and it, even though sometimes it's not your favorite scripture, but it, you know, it does penetrate, and it's true. You go, you don't say, "Oh me," 
you say amen. Praise God. But amen, you, you see here in First Chronicles, uh, First Chronicles, uh, in, in the tabernacle of David, in First Chronicles 16, verse number 36, you see that the use of the word amen. Verse number 36, it says, uh, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. And praise the Lord. Wow. Of course, there was what? Does anybody know the other time? You know, that was before the tabernacle of David where the people of God say, said, Amen. In the tabernacle of Moses. When, when did they say amen? When did they say amen? Remember when Moses, uh, Moses spoke to them about the blessings and the cursings? And then there they were to say amen. Amen. Okay. First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 14. And we're done after this passage of scripture for tonight anyway. For this portion of it. But First Corinthians chapter 14. <coughs> verses number 16. <clears throat> excuse me. It says, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall that how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen? That thy given a thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. How can he agree with that if he don't understand? First, first uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 16. Hallelujah. We'll stop there for tonight. Thank you for coming. Praise God. Hallelujah. There will probably be worship tomorrow. Or Thank you very much, y'all. Dismissed in Jesus' name.